Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Canfield, Director of Next Steps here at Berean Baptist Church in Mansfield, Ohio. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to get to know you. Um, if you need prayer, if you want to connect with us, check out our website at BereanFamily.com. It has all the stuff on there that you want to know about Berean, our events, prayer, whatever it might be. Check it out. Here's today's sermon. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about family quite a bit. Uh, family is, a, is an amazing thing that is an absolutely under attack. Uh, for those of you who are here and you have family, uh, I hope that you are appreciating your family. I, I hope that you are taking your opportunities to express your love to them. The, the truth is, we don't really know when our last conversation will be with family, do we? 24 hours ago, we had a casket sitting right here in it, a vessel of a man who, who, uh, who didn't know when he was going to go home to be with the Lord. Now, now in his case, I can tell you, uh, I'm sure his last conversations with his family were good ones just because of who the man was. But could that be said for all of us? Are, are we being careful with what we're saying to our family how we're showing love to them, how we're guarding them, how we're seeking their spiritual development with the life that God has given us. Again, friends, the, the, the family is under attack from without and from within, and we need to take note of that and be very careful. Today we are going to be in Proverbs again here in just a few moments. Um, if you really want a head start, um, I'll be in Proverbs 5 in just a little bit, but I'm going to be in several verses before then. Um, but go ahead and start turning there now if you would like. Friends, not only does focusing on our family allow you to enjoy them, but it's going to help us and help them from veering off course as well. Being that we're talking about family today and some of the struggles that we have, uh, some of the topics that we're going to be speaking about are a little bit on the adult side. So if you have kids with you, just be, keep that in mind. If you have Disney Channel, you're probably safe. Because <laughs> what they have on there is probably more adult than what I'm going to talk about today. But just, uh, just wanted to give you that little caveat here. Um, the family consisting, by the way, this is, this is sad to me that I have to say it, but I'm going to say it. The family consisting of a biological male dad and a biological female mom and children it's God's idea, and as such, it has been under attack since the fall of man. This isn't new that the family unit has been under attack. A united, Christ-centered family is a family that will be used by God for our good and for the good of others. And because of that, there is a target on it. Sometime we, sometimes we see that target coming from external sources, but sometimes it does come from internal sources as well. Everybody here has to battle some of the same things, both the, the enemy, but also the enemy, our flesh. The lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life. Those are things, three categories that all of us have to deal with, and a family is under attack. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to jump into Genesis chapter 4. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to, to lift our voices as one. I thank you for the songs that we're able to sing that reminds us of the gospel, the good news of who you are, 
in the salvation that you have offered and given to us. God, we know there is little debate within the church that the family is under attack. And the enemy loves to divide, to bring disunity, to bring chaos, to bring hatred, to to keep us off of task. And God, you have given us family as this beautiful thing that we ought to treasure. God, help us to, to to either... Rejoice in the fact that we have families that we treasure together or or help convict us, Lord, of where we are falling short. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, the the family unit has been under attack since the fall of man. Listen to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. It says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then, said, then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Friends, the enemy has sought out to split families, hurt their testimony, divide their unity from the very beginning. His motives and desires to destroy haven't changed, but some of his tactics have evolved over the years. But our flesh is capable of doing the same damage. We must be aware. I underlined this sentence here in in this text in Genesis chapter 4. Maybe you want to underline it as well. Talking about, and if you do not, if you, I'm sorry, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Now listen to this next sentence. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Friends, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but get this, you must rule over it. That means taking every thought captive. Taking every thought captive. Submitting to the Lord. Obeying the Lord. You must rule over your sin. I'm going to keep continuing on here. We need now, perhaps more than ever, to have wisdom in regard to our place in a family. If the world doesn't see healthy families in the church, where exactly will they see them? The family is under attack, not just outside of the church, but inside the church. The main idea this morning is this. For the church to be at its best, the families within it need to cultivate spiritual health. For the church to be at its best, the families within it need to cultivate spiritual health. Here's my first point. 
Healthy families begin with healthy marriages. Healthy families begin with healthy marriages. And before I go any further, I want to say this. If you are single and plan to stay that way, there is nothing wrong with that, and there is nothing wrong with you. Some may be called to, to, uh, to singleness, and if that is you, I want you to hear me say there is nothing wrong with that, and there is nothing wrong with you. For most of us, however, you are either you either have had a spouse, you're married right now, or likely you will one day. That is probably the majority of those in this room. And if families are one of, if not the primary target of the enemy, the front line of this battle, often where the battle for the family will be won or lost, is the marriage. Friends, I likely don't have to convince you that marriage is under attack. I've already said that. But let me remind you of some of the ways that are being targeted and destroyed. So let me just give you three ways. The first one is this, the acceptance of divorce in our society and within the church. Divorce is a serious matter and should be taken as such. If you're going into a marriage and thinking that divorce is an option, maybe you need to stop from your process of going into that marriage. Divorce should not be an option. It should not be an option. Divorce should never be taken lightly. Two people at a marriage have become one, so divorce is like a death. Now you're sitting here and I'm talking about divorce. I'll be talking about some other things as well. And you might be thinking, I, I have failed in this regard. There is grace and hope for you. Whatever has happened before today is the past. What matters is what happens from today on. Do you understand? What matters is from today on. The acceptance of divorce in our society and the church is a problem. Second is this, a celebrated me-first society. We live in this society where it's not just me-first, but we celebrate that it's me-first. In, in marriage, a healthy marriage, demands that we put our spouse's wants, needs, and desires before our own. That's countercultural. People are going into marriage because they think that that other person will fulfill their needs that they will satisfy them, that they will make them happy. If that's what your idea is when you're moving into marriage, can I tell you, trouble is at the door. It's about what you bring to that other person. Are you concerned with that other person's spiritual development? Are you concerned with that, that other person's um, um, growth, with their, their spiritual well-being, with their satisfaction? You see, we need to be, that needs to be our, 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 idea, our ideal, I'm sorry, that we think about the other person before ourselves. The third thing that has family under attack and marriage is under attack today is this, the perversion of marriage. Marriage is now and always has been designated for one man and one woman for life. Any other variation is a perversion of God's creation and cannot be tolerated, and certainly cannot be celebrated. Certainly not celebrated. Listen to Romans 1, 26 through 32. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women, and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. I probably don't need to describe what's being discussed here. 
And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but to give approval to those who practice them. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but that last sentence in Romans 1 is very important. You see, we're not called just to walk a certain way, but we can't celebrate sin as followers of Christ. A popular preacher in the area who I have a lot of respect for, and there's going to be people here in this room who I respect who is going to disagree with what I say, but I've got a microphone. <laughs> so, but this popular preacher who I have a lot of respect for was asked a question, and he talked about this on a podcast. He was asked a question. A grandmother said uh, she had a transgender grandchild and wanted to know if, he, if she should attend the wedding. So the pastor said, do they know that you are against it? And she said, yes. And he said, well, go to the wedding and even bring a gift. I would argue that going to the wedding, that going and bringing a gift is celebrating sin. And we can have no part of it. Friends, you might say, well, listen, I love my grandchild. I love my child. I love my niece, my nephew, my friend, whatever. Listen, love them by being truthful. And don't engage in their sin. Don't celebrate that sin. Uh, I don't have time to talk about this right now, but many of you are, are familiar with the prodigal son's story, right? You see, I believe that the prodigal son's story almost couldn't happen in our, in our era or our day because that prodigal son would never have had to have left. He would have gotten his father's inheritance and still stayed in the same room. And you say, oh yeah, but when he came back, the father ran to him. He was coming back in repentance when the father ran to him. We absolutely cannot be a people who tolerate and celebrate sin. We just can't do it. Marriage is a holy, God-ordained covenant and should be treated as such. Marriage also is a good thing. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Our society would have you believe that marriage is a bad thing, that you should wait until the last possible second. But friends, the Bible says, and it is true, that, by, that marriage is a good thing. And it can be a great thing when both the husband and the wife take heed of what Solomon has to say. And this is where we're going to turn our attention a little bit to some of Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs 12.4 says this, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bone. Proverbs 14.1, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Proverbs 31, 12, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Talking about a righteous wife. Wives, you can be the crown of your husband or you can bring shame to a relationship. And uh, guys, you probably want me to just dismiss right here, right? We've heard enough, let's go home. Husbands, there is much said about what kind of leader that you ought to be. And you must take it seriously. Everything that Solomon has to say to his son applies to you. And you should be applying it to your marriage. 
You should be a man who fears the Lord and grows in your understanding of him. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Gentlemen, your wives or your future wives need you to be a man who fears the Lord, first and foremost. And before you can be a good husband, young people, you must be a good son. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs 30, I'm sorry, 3, 21 through 27. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will, be, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, what it is in your power to do it. Wives, to sum up, seek to be an excellent wife, and husbands, seek to be a wise leader, seeking the wisdom of God. When this happens, you will be, have the beginnings of a healthy marriage. Again, I want to double down on this. Listen, whatever happened yesterday, happened yesterday. What are you going to do today and going forward? That's what matters. Perhaps there's some repentance that needs to take place. Once that repentance has taken place, walk forward and change what tomorrow is going to look like. Your main idea, again, is this. For the church to be at its best, the families within it need to cultivate spiritual health. My second point is this. And this is where your kids are going to get feeling awkward, especially my kids. How are you doing up there? All right, good. Healthy marriages include healthy sexuality. I'm afraid that while marriages are on the front lines with a fight against an enemy, within and without, the primary weapon of the enemy is sex. He uses and abuses the beautiful thing that God has created to help us understand and enjoy intimacy. He uses them and abuses them to corrupt and to destroy we simply cannot talk about healthy families and the wisdom of Solomon without discussing healthy sexuality. I, I want to look now at Proverbs chapter 5. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Um, it's just a few verses, and they're kind of short verses. So join me if you have your Bibles open in Proverbs chapter 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow to the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, and she does not, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, How I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. 
Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of, the, of his great folly, he is led astray. Uh, friends, again, sex is a gift of, uh, from God that should be only enjoyed in the context of a biblical marriage. I don't know if you noticed verses 15 to 18 in that text. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Uh, what do you suppose he means when he says drink water from your own cistern? What, what he is saying is sex is for a husband and a wife and a husband and a wife alone. Don't go drinking from other cisterns is what he's saying. Sex is for two married people together for life and should include no one else, period. Now you're saying that's obvious, Pastor. I've been going to church for a long time. I've known for a long time that sex is just for a husband and a wife, that, that nobody else should be included. That, that I know that. While you know that, the church has been under attack and in many cases is losing ground. I want to give you some statistics here that are a little bit shocking because I believe that the enemy is far too successful and has been far too successful perverting this beautiful thing and destroying people and destroying marriages and while he's doing that destroying families this this this, this these numbers i'm going to give you are actually 10 years old i believe they're likely worse now this is from barna in 2014 listen to this 77 percent of christian men aged 18 to 30 report to looking at pornography at least once a month I'm going to say that again. 77% of Christian men, people, we need to raise young men who understand the threat of this because we have young women who are joining these men in relationships and have a lot of trouble from the start. 77% of Christian men, ages 18 to 30, report to looking at porn at least once a month. 36%. 36% of Christian, professing Christian men, 18 to 30, uh, say that they watch it daily. So what am I saying? This issue of including other people in the sexual relationship, which is what pornography does, isn't a problem out there, it's a problem in here. It's a problem in here. Say, well, that's just young guys, 18 to 30. Well, how about this? 31 to 49, 77%, again, same percentage, 77% of Christian men, 31 to 49, say they have watched pornography in, at least once in the last three months. The problem isn't out there, it's in here. 64%, age 31 to 49, say they watch it at least monthly. This is a problem. 
The sexual, healthy sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is under attack. It's a primary point of attack that the enemy is using, and we are losing ground. That needs to stop, not tomorrow, but it needs to stop today. Listen, if you are having a problem with, with pornography, whether you're a man or a woman, because the, women, the numbers in the women watching pornography have increased dramatically as well, if you are having that as an issue, sin isn't just crouching at the door, it's right there in front of you. You need to stop immediately. Do whatever it takes to stop. There are multiple problems that are created by this. One of them is being selfish. See, pornography by its nature is all about selfishness and satisfying oneself. Where sex in a marriage is all about finding the fulfillment in your spouse, I'm sorry, giving your spouse fulfillment and pleasure and satisfaction, not taking it from them. Married couples need to consider their spouse's needs over their own. Over their own, sorry. Pornography gets in the way of that. I'm going to give you an action step. Because of these percentages are so high, I believe there are people in this room that are affected by this. This action step is simply this. We already have a group, a men's accountability group, and it's such an issue where we're creating another accountability group. If you're interested in joining that, here's the email you need to remember. mb at markboyd.info. Mark is a member here, and he's going to be taking people's information and starting another class. Now, before you say, I can't write that down because my wife is sitting next to me, right? Write it down anyways. Write it down anyways. Listen, you may not have a problem with pornography, but what if one of your brothers does? Listen, if if you're willing to go have hard conversation and go help your brothers out, that's going to make you better, and that's going to make them better. So these accountability groups aren't just for the guy who has an addiction to pornography. It could be for you, somebody who maybe you've had that and you've moved past it, or you've never had it, and you can go and help and be a support to your brother. So every guy in here, if you have a pen in your hand, write this email down. mb at markboyd.info and join one of these groups. Our main idea, again, is this. For the church to be at its best, the families within it need to cultivate spiritual health. And before you uh, worry too much about me having one more point, I do see the clock. It's right in front of me. I don't want your your pot roast to burn um, and to have you mad at me and, 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 and email Pastor Phil. You're disgust. So I will do this last point very quickly. Is that okay? All right. I'm going to anyway. So <laughs> healthy marriages provide the right soil to grow healthy children. Healthy marriages provide the right soil to grow healthy children. And church, this is something that we should all want, whether we have children or not. See, in the church world, it is often said that in general terms, the spiritual health of the congregants won't surpass the spiritual health of its leaders. This is true for the home as well, that the spiritual health of your kids will likely not surpass your spiritual health health. So the first thing you need to do if you want to cultivate an environment where you can grow spiritually healthy kids is to ensure that you are growing in your own spiritual health. Proverbs 22.6 reminds us that we have a job to do in terms of raising spiritually healthy kids. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
If we want to do this, and I believe that we do, having a healthy marriage is a key to raising your kids. But it doesn't end there. We must be intentional. And I want to pause just quickly to say this as well. Uh, Many people in this room, you might be a single parent. You might say, well, how am I supposed to raise a spiritually healthy kid when my marriage isn't uh, even together anymore? Listen, again, you can't change what has happened. You can only change how you're going to live from this point on. You can still grow and become more spiritually healthy, and that is going to be a great help and encouragement to your kids. It's not over with in your case. Now, Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2 says this. Now, this is the commandment, the statues and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Uh, d- did you catch that the children of Israel's obedience would influence the obedience of their sons and their sons' sons. The way you live your life now matters. The kids are watching. Your grandkids are watching. What does that mean? Continue to grow towards spiritual health. Titus 2, 7 and 8. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Be obedient to God, and don't give the enemy any ammo that he can use to take out your kids. Uh, verse six, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 3 in Deuteronomy. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, and it, that it might go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. So again, families are under attack massively, massively, not just out there, but in the church. One of the primary ways that the enemy wants to to, to attack the family unit is through the marriage, and a primary way he's attacking the marriage is through sexual uh, relationships. We must be aware and on guard. The health of the family, not just your family, but the health of the family sitting next to you needs to matter to you as well. And the health of all the families matter to God, and we must remember the world is watching. I want to ask the band to go ahead and come up now as I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to give you five challenges. That's a lot of challenges, okay? The first one, I want you to hear this. When you, your spouse, or your child have made mistakes, and you will and they will, choose grace. Choose grace. Don't use this sermon that I preached today and weaponize it when you get home. Choose grace. Choose encouragement. Number two, make your spouse your priority, not your children. If you have a home where you have kids in the house right now, you may think that your kid needs to be your priority, that you need to be at every game, that you need to be at everything that they're doing, that you need to be doting over them all of the time. Make your spouse your priority. It's better for your kids. It's better for your kids. Number three, again, if you are married, ensure that your spouse is sexually fulfilled. That means wives, make sure your husbands are sexually fulfilled. Husbands, make sure your wives are sexually fulfilled. Sex is not about selfishness. 
It's about satisfying your spouse. Four, not married, remain celibate as sex was designed by God for the context of biblical marriage. Number five, fight for spiritual health in your family and in the family around you, the families around you, because it is, is needed in our society. Would you pray before we have one more song of praise? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we have talked about some tough things today, things that the enemy would love to use to divide. But God, would you just help us to grow in our understanding of what you would have for us in our lives? Would you help us to grow spiritually healthy families? It's good for us and it's good for those who are around us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.